0: to the official podcast of FCS Fans Nation with your hosts Kyler Neal, Matthew Frazee, and Jamie Williams.
1: FCS Fans Nation. Last week was the top 10 FCS slaughter, and I might as well expand it this week as we get closer to spooky Halloween to the top 25 chaotic murder of everybody's polls. Ladies and gentlemen, we have officially entered the chaos arena of FCS Week 7 going into Week 8. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the FCS Fans Nation podcast. We are back together, the whole crew Mr. Kyler Neal, Jamie Williams, the main hosts on the show. Thank you so much again to the Rev. Dustin Helton last week stepping in. That was awesome to have him on the show. But we are excited to have the OG crew back in rolling this week for our episode. And we're going to start off very simple, guys. Uh, Mr. Adam Willie actually kicks off our show. This isn't a big seven question. He, uh, he's he been off the Facebook page a little while, and he just wanted to ask, how's everybody been? How's life? Um, how are things treating you? And since we didn't have you last week, Kyler, how are you feeling, my man? Welcome back to the pod after missing you last week.
0: Thank you, man. I miss you guys. I can't wait to miss you guys next Sunday, though, because how I'm doing, I'm doing fantastic. I'm going to a Formula One race next weekend. Um, so, I mean, life is great. I get to experience some new sporting events that I've never been to. I've been to the Waste Management I've been in NFL games I've been to the Super Bowl only to tailgate um not not to actually go to the game I'm not that rich um, been to all the major league games um, a lot of college I just need an F1 race in a boxing event and I'm pretty much done so yeah life's good man'm I'm, I'm living the sports world
1: good you'll have all the boxes checked for your for your sporting events so just trying to Willie life's good for me my man Dallas Cowboys pulled off a win today I'm doing good. At any point, my third and I assure you final kid um, it could pop out. So I might not be in the podcast next week either if I'm in the hospital. So, Jamie, it might be up to you (laughs) because of sports and kids for you to hold down the pod, my man. So you ready to get the the big seven rolling, dude? Let's rock. All right, guys. So as you all know, we're going to start with our big seven topics. We got some great questions from our fans, which is ran by the FCS Fans Nation Facebook page. So let's kick right into our main topics for this week the top seven FCS topics of the week. This is the Big 7. A staple of the show, guys, is one of the great fans out there who we've met in Frisco before. Mr. Keel Wilson is going to kick our Big 7 questions off for us, and he has a phenomenal question, uh, and he has actually asked this back in the preseason a few weeks ago. But he likes to ask about FCS stocks and what have you bought and what are you willing to sell? And this week, he uh, clarifies his question with name an FCS stock that you bought in August, but you need to sell and name another one you went short on, but you should have bought maybe a little bit more instead. So um, I'm going to twist this into kind of our buy and sell segment, guys. We've had a lot of good feedback on it. Just to throw it back a little bit, a little bit of a reminder. A few weeks ago, it was just Kyler and I. Uh, myself, I had bought some Montana state stock, which was like that safe apple. Um, I went a little risky with some incarnate word stock. Kyler, you had bought McNeese for the future, not this season. And you had also bought yourself some UC Davis. Um, you had sold VMI and I had sold Stephen F. Austin and, uh, Jamie, uh, we're going to incorporate you in here a little bit. So Kyler, I'm just going to start with you right off the bat. Do you have any more stocks you're willing to buy and sell right now? And how do you feel about your previous purchases on the FCS Robinhood
0: app? um, I still feel pretty comfortable Like with my long-term one with the McNeese. They will not be down forever. That's going to be a very slow grind to get them back up. Um, I shouldn't have sold VMI. Uh, they're kind of at the peak right now. Uh, they just clobbered, what was it, Mercer. Uh, big blowout win. So, you know, that's kind of pissing me off because I sold them when I could have sold them for about $100 more a share. But um, I want to go in kind of talk about a few of the ones that you know my takes were a little bit wrong in the preseason um one of them sacramento state i i sold them saying they weren't going to be able to compete in the big sky this year um now guess what they've still won 11 of the last 12 i thought when kevin thompson was out um they were going to really really struggle now they have probably the easiest road in the big sky but it looks like there's a very good chance they could potentially be another big sky champion. So maybe I should have held out and sold them um, towards the end of the season when their stock was at their highest right before the playoffs when they will collapse. But right now, <laughs> right now, um, I should have kept that stock. And then, um, yeah, that, that's about it.
1: Yeah, that, buying and selling, it's never easy. But honestly, our profiles wouldn't look too bad. Um, if I had to throw myself all the way back to the preseason like yourself, I had uh, was really high on Chattanooga. Which did not look great until this last week, right? And then they get that big win over ETSU. Um, I was not high in Missouri State, however, I, I was selling them preseason, and they're four and two. And I'm not going to pick them to go win at NDSU this week, but it's not like they haven't had an unproductive season. They're playing pretty balanced ball, so um, and I feel I feel not too bad about that Montana State one. It like Kyler said, it was you know that was a really safe kind of almost a cop out answer, but it's it's playing out pretty well. And that stock could really rise if they could upset Eastern Washington. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Uh, McNeese is still not even on the profile though. So we, we don't have them yet. <laughs> uh, Jamie, you weren't uh, here for a few weeks ago segment with this, but how's your buy and selling going? And who do you have confidence in going forward, man?
2: Well, I bought the heck out of Monmouth uh, through the preseason, just coming off of how good they looked in the spring. They, feel, they were feeling like they are going to really build on that. Uh, thought they were going to be a quarterfinal team. Um uh, guy in the, uh, upper right corner there said, uh, uh, no way. Uh, so we said, how about some wings on that? So, yep, sold that one already. Uh, already to pay paper wings later. Uh, that didn't work out. Uh, despite this still hanging around, that doesn't look like a quarterfinal team. Um, probably sold a little short on Southern Illinois. Uh, just wasn't sure what to expect from them. Um, coming into the fall, uh, was hopeful, but, uh, Didn't think they would be running through the Valley like they are. I thought they would have, you know, they would have just been kind of almost one of those fringe teams and they are not, they look really good despite, you know, close games, Uh, close games, test your metal. And if you keep winning them, um, just ask him Houston, how that goes.
1: Yeah, that uh, yeah, exactly. You end up with a national championship, but they must be some, one of those stocks where like, it looks like not great all day. But it closes really hot right at the end because, I mean, they've had such close matchups, which we're going to get to later down the line, too.
0: Well, I think I'm just going to stay away from the Big South stock options because, you know, I, I got Monmouth kind of right. We'll still see what happens. There's still some season to go. But I thought North Carolina a would just storm through the Big South the first year, did not expect them to lose a Furman, did not expect them to lose a Kennesaw. So, you know, I underrated Kennesaw, probably should have bought some of their stock, but I sold them back in 2019. Um, I sold them and I was like, they're done to me. The triple option, not going to handle it. They're taking care of business. And a and man, it, you got to play better if you want to compete um, and, you know, make it to the playoffs. Right now, you looks like you're already done. So those I'm staying away from the Big South.
2: I yeah. did buy some Villanova at the beginning of the year. Um, I thought they finished second in the uh, CAA. Uh, got that wrong, most likely uh, the other way. Uh, but they look good, obviously, uh, came in and, and beat us uh, last week. It uh, was very devastating, but, you know, that's a good team. They avoided the trap this past week as well. Uh, played a close game up at Albany, uh, but did pull out the win. So uh, I, I kind of had them kind of pegged as the next team behind us, but but they beat us. Yeah, it's fun to reflect
1: and kind of look back on these things. There's the easy calls, the NDSU, the Sam Houston's. And then sometimes you get those really sexy picks that are worth a penny, like Rhode Island, that shoot up that nobody expected. So, Keo, those are a few reviews of our stocks and what we're looking down the line, my man. Um, But speaking of things you might want to stay away from because we have no idea what is happening, let's roll into question number two, which comes from Mr. Greg Talent. uh, And he's asking about the SOCON. So with the Mighty Mox down in ETSU Saturday, who can take control of the SOCON race? Early in the season, it was discussed that the SoCon could be a three-bid league. We had had that discussion here on the podcast. But with the key losses Saturday, will this be a one-bid league? Um, Jamie, I always throw this one to you first, so I'm actually going to curve it over to Kyler to start here. What are we thinking about the reaction of a Chattanooga team we were high on in the beginning, lost faith in, and then now they have a big victory over ETSU, my man. How are you feeling after seeing that kind of chaos play out?
0: I mean, this is just the SoCon. I don't, I don't even know if it's considered chaos anymore. What the SoCon lacks is really bad teams and probably not the elite team. So every single year we go through this, the SoCon champs going to probably have two losses in conference and maybe three. I mean, this is just the SoCon champs. They are very close in, in terms of skill level to all of each other. It's a very competitive, very tough conference. Um, Chattanooga, I had ETSU winning. I, th- I thought they would beat Chattanooga because of, like you just said, how Chattanooga kind of started the season. They they put it together. Um, and they almost threw out, you know, VMI the week before in overtime. So Chattanooga's look like they are rising at the right time. Um, but to kind of answer that first question also on, you know, are they a three-bid team or a one-bid team? I still think because of some of the chaos in the other conferences, like the OVC right now, um, or even the AQ7, how everyone's kind of beating each other up besides Sam Houston. I still like the SoCon to have two bids. Uh, right now, pending on whoever maybe wins between a VMI and an ETSU, um, what game is that? Do you guys have it on the schedule, and when do they play?
1: I'll pull it up for you, my man.
0: Okay. Or, or a, a Mercer. I think um, I think it's going to be interesting for the race to the top. But I still think the, the SoCon is good enough to get, uh, you know, automatic qualifier and, and uh, an automatic bid right now. I mean, that's just my assumption. I think the chance will, of course, get in. And I think they're a solid enough conference compared to most of the other FCS conferences that they should deserve another team right now. Yeah,
1: they, it's that's a really great assessment where it's like you're not sold that there's a national champion sitting within these ranks. But, like, all these teams, if you – you could go up top to bottom, maybe not the very bottom, like Wafford who's had a rough year, maybe Western Carolina. But even the Citadel tends to pull off an upset or pull off a big win at yeah. some point. And Samford's, like, never completely dead in the water. And so those ETSUs, the Mercer Furmans, they're all just battling against each other. Um, and it's kind of hard to predict or kind of give you a, a clear answer, Greg, because just let me just use Chattanooga and VMI as, a, as an example here. Chattanooga's remaining schedule at Samford, they'll host Furman. At Wofford, they should win. But then they're at Mercer, and they bring in the Citadel. And VMI's got to play ETSU, at Furman. Both of those are road games. And they're going to host Samford. They're going to host Western Carolina. Like, are you just any of us sold that those are just guaranteed victories throughout all three, four of those games? Maybe one or two. But that's not easy, man. So, uh Jamie, you, you've you been kind of on this quite a bit as a Stats Top 25 voter. You've had some great opinions on the SoCon are you willing to just throw in the towel and give up on this whole thing, or, or you feel like someone has an edge?
2: No, I'm, I'm willing to throw a bunch of teams in a blender and see what comes out. I mean, even at the beginning of the season, I was saying I thought six teams could could potentially win the Southern Conference. I discounted the Citadel, I discounted Western Carolina, and actually, I did, discounted Furman. So I had the wrong one there. Wofford, they just, they're not good. They can't do anything on either side of the ball. I don't understand. What happened? Yeah, I do. They tried to uh, incorporate passing game and they don't have a quarterback that can do it. So that's kind of what happened. Uh, so Coach Conklin needs to kind of refocus, go back. They've got a good running back. Urban Milligan's a good running back, but he's buried uh, down there because uh, they're trying to pass a little bit more. Um, but I mean, you see it right there. You've got five teams with one loss. It, I think the, the champ comes from one of those five teams. Sanford is too volatile, they can't hmm. stop anybody they can score with anybody, but they can't stop anybody. So I, I kind of erase them. as say either champ comes from one of those other five teams. Um, and it could come down to who has the home games. Um, and then, yeah, there's, 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 I think there's definitely an at-large there. It's just a matter of how it plays out as long as they don't completely, you know, have a bunch of teams lose to Wofford and Western Carolina and Citadel, um, if they beat each other up, you got a better shot at extra at-larges. Uh, but I, th- I think they're probably a two-bid conference at this point. But which two? Don't ask me.
1: In the world of Twitter overreaction, I'm not going to sell ETSU yet. And I'm going to – obviously, they're a really good team, and they beat an SEC opponent, but remaining schedule here. I think they will beat Furman next week, you know, coming off a close loss. And then they are going to host VMI and Mercer. They also have a game with Western Carolina that they'll win. But those are two hosting opportunities for them. And Mercer just got blasted this last week, so that VMI game could be a huge matchup. But I, I would have faith that ETSU still wins the conference after the loss this week, based off of that historical data, Kyler says, where you're going to see that one-two loss in the conference. And I just think their schedule is really favorable. So if I had to give Greg a team, I would say ETSU.
0: I like that pick, but even if like ETSU doesn't win the conference, I like what they've done so far in this you know season. You know that big win at Vanderbilt. Yep. that's gonna really push the SoCon to for sure have two teams. If, if VMI can win the conference, and let's say ETSU is six and two, um, you know in conference play, what is that? Um, they're gonna be nine in nine and two, um, basically. I think that hundred percent gets them in. But I think even with Vanderbilt, if if ETSU drops two games because of how they played prior they're still a potential team that can make it to the playoffs at 8-3 for sure with that big Vanderbilt win. So depending on how the conference shakes up and who's going to grab the actual championship, I think ETSU almost, they're not quite a lock, but I think they're a lock for the playoffs no matter what, or like as close as you can get to a lock from, um, you know, outside of maybe the top 10 teams right now.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's wild. The Southern Conference is always wild. I know you had a big blast on uh, Twitter last week with, uh, Kevin Marshall saying everybody plays everybody. So that's the only way you, you can have a champion, but it does put this, this conference in a blender and, it, and it's fun to watch. And, and, you know, even in the spring coming down to the last second, you didn't know who was going to win it. I even was trying to figure out all the tie-breaking scenarios, couldn't figure it out. So I actually reached out to Phil Perry uh, with the conference who, who broke it down for me. So I have a feeling we'll be doing that as we come down the last couple of weeks of the season again.
0: Cool. And the SOCON has Samford, which is basically just in eastern Washington, but in a better conference.
2: Absolutely. Yep.
1: <laughs> this is, <laughs> oh my goodness. A little
0: trolling, little trolling for a Twitter argument last night, guys. Yep. If
1: if you're not following us on Twitter, guys, uh, <laughs> it's on the screen. You know, at JDWilliams23, I'm Matthew Frazier at KylerEPH. You should be because it is some fun Twitter jabs. Uh, yeah, so we know a little bit we hopefully are predicting correctly. I think most of us are going to think a two-bit conference at this point. So uh, always the ability to adjust our opinions from the preseason when we know nothing. So, all right, guys, speaking of predicting some things, uh, let's talk a little bit with Mr. Dustin Perman here. Is the Missouri Valley Conference starting to shape up, shake up, or is it still up for grabs? So Dustin wants to know, are we getting a clear picture out of the Missouri Valley or are we not? Um, this is a really interesting question, and I, of course, am the unbiased Bison admin. So if I were to be looking into the Missouri Valley Conference, we may be heading for a 2016 kind of scenario. Um, for those of you who don't know about 2016, that's when NDSU and SDSU played. SDSU won the head-to-head matchup. They each had one conference loss. SDSU actually received the conference's auto bid that year. So they were the auto bid. However, the resume of NDSU for like beating Iowa State and they had a very tough out-of-conference schedule against Eastern Washington, um, they actually got seeded and had the higher seed in the playoffs and SDSU had to travel in the quarterfinals to NDSU. And I think based off of the fact that Southern Illinois uh, does not play NDSU, but they did play South Dakota State and Southern Illinois got the win, we might be looking at a scenario where you're going to see that shared title because of how the conference is set up. And then who has the better resume in terms of seeding is how we're going to see this whole thing play out. So up for grabs is 100% accurate. But a prediction in terms of like who's going to end up as the top seed or not is going to come down to the Dakota marker game, how SIU finishes out. And that's kind of your big indicators at this point. I mean, even South Dakota looks good. I, I, I'm not going to pick them to win it. But it's uh, it's it's looking tough for the Missouri Valley right now. Uh, gentlemen, from an outsider's perspective, what do you see out of the Valley? Do you see it? Is there anything crystal clear at this point?
0: The the thing that's crystal clear is the Missouri Valley. I think this is the best year I've ever seen out of the Missouri Valley as a full conference. I mean, it. I'm I'm not one of those people. You know, I've always said the Missouri Valley was the number one conference, but I thought it was not as big of a gap as maybe previous years. I think the gap is pretty large this year. Um, I think the Valley from top to bottom. By far is the toughest conference. I mean, you have the bottom tier teams giving other teams fits. Even in the top of the valley, you have them beating other teams' second to number one team in their conference. But how it's going to shape out? I think it's Southern Illinois's to lose um, right now. I, I mean, looking at the schedule, they already beat their toughest game. Um, now, of course, they've had a rocky road. You know, they were really close with you know West. Western Illinois is really close to South Dakota State, really close to North Dakota. Um, they have a UNI team who's always going to be tough, especially when it's at UNI. And then they play a up-and-coming Missouri State team. Who would have thought we would have ever said that two years ago? But they're playing an up-and-coming Missouri State team. I think right now they're probably going to go either 4-0 and the rest of the season or maybe drop one. And then who knows what's going to happen with NDSU. Can they beat the Dakota maker? Can they beat SDSU? That's going to be the question, but I like the odds of having either Southern Illinois at the top by themselves or sharing a conference um, with either North Dakota State or maybe even a South Dakota State if there are some one-loss teams.
1: You know how this is going to go just because I cheer for chaos all the times, but SIU will have a loss to Kansas State. And SDSU will beat NDSU and have a two point overtime loss to SIU and NDSU will lose to South Dakota State by a last second field goal. And they will all have one loss. And then the committee is going to have to probably seed all three of them in some form or fashion. And it's going to be just chaos. Um, Referring to what Kyler mentioned about like middle tier Missouri Valley teams beating top tier teams in other conferences via Sam Herter from Hero Sports. He tweeted out um folks wonder why Missouri Valley team will sometimes get five teams into the playoffs. Well, Indiana State is 1 in 3 and beat a top AQ7 team in EKU and Youngstown is 1 in 2 and just beat a top Southland team, University of Incarnate Word. So, really deep conference right now. Jamie, uh any f- more additional thoughts here on the Valley in or do you think it's what do you think, man? What do you think?
2: It, it's definitely up for grabs, but like Kyler said, it's Southern Illinois to lose um they have bye week this week which is going to help because they travel to the uni dome uh, the week after and then they i believe they have uh missouri state and you know that's going to be a, a rivalry type of game and they finish with youngstown state and you know how much i love to hate on youngstown state <laughs> and their chili willy mascot and all that stuff um and i still do but they do have some offensive talent and it's young but it's often it's offensive talent that can beat people and they've shown that they can, they already beat Missouri state. They beat it incarnate word in a shootout. So they can score just like Southern Illinois can. And if they don't watch it, that that would, could be the one that bites them. Um, Cause I do think they can go into uh, Northern Iowa coming off a bye week and win. Um, but that that's the only path to this being kind of figured out. Otherwise it's his up for grabs of the Southern conference.
1: And I have to give you guys some credit here. As, uh, hopefully, that's a good takeaway for you, Dustin. Southern Illinois is to lose, as they have at UNI, which is tough. Missouri State could be tough, but they host them. And then I would say some easier games against Indiana State and Youngstown. But um, just a little credit to the two other gentlemen on this podcast, Kyler and Jamie. And uh, I'm sure this is taken as the NDSU fan taking a shot at the Fighting Hawks. But you guys did have UND really low within your top 25s, where I generically, like other pundits, just threw them in in like the top 10 category because like, yeah, they were great in the spring. Good foresight on you guys as, you know, stinks to kind of hit on a team that's doing bad. But UND is 0-3 in the conference right now, 2-4 overall. So uh, that's also some a takeaway from the spring, how much of a change uh, has occurred within the Missouri Valley. So um, interesting. We'll see how it plays out. We'll get more clarity here over the next two weeks for sure. And uh, let's go into a little bit more clarity because we're the kind of people who have this whole FCS landscape figured out, guys. So no doubt we can answer Jacob Martinez's question here, which is another top eight team went down this week and there's some close calls as well. So with remaining top eight teams, do you think that more will drop out of the seeding conversation by by season's end? So who else is positioned to take their place by then? So if we were to look at the stats top 25, which is if you're watching on YouTube, I will be sharing onto our screen here. What kind of these top eight teams that we're looking at currently are positioning themselves well for a seed almost guaranteed, and which ones could kind of jump in there that we're not really aware of? So uh, Mr. Stats, top 25, Jamie Williams, which ones are you tracking on? Which ones are
2: you not? Um, You know, looking at the top 25 right now, um, obviously it's not the order of how I had the teams, but it's pretty darn close. Um, Those top four, I'm not going to tell you those are the top four seeds. I, but I think all of those are on track to get a seed. Um, I think South Dakota State and Villanova are on track to get seeds. Uh, if JMU wins out, they get a seed. So that leaves a couple. Uh, eliminate Montana. And I think I didn't like what I saw for Montana State when they actually had to play a, a tough game. Uh, yes, they, they won. So I don't want to take that away from them. But that was a punt fest. and. You know, that's not going to work against Eastern Washington. It might work against Montana. I didn't think it would, but it might. Uh, Who's on the outside looking in, ready for a seed? Uh, Southeastern Louisiana with a bullet. Ooh, good call. They are outscoring everybody. And shoot, what I'd love to see is Eastern Washington as the one seed or the two seed. And then if they're the one seed, I want Southeast Louisiana as the eight. If they're the two, I want them as the seven. Because I want to see that matchup. Because I just think there would be fireworks. Cole Kelly and Eric Barrier fighting it out. Of course, if it's the playoffs, we'll have already had to vote for the Peyton Award.
1: Oh, Jamie, um, don't don't go into our, our last question. I want to cut okay. you
2: off. <laughs> so I'll stop there. Um, and just because Jacob asked the question, uh, who else could sneak into a seed? Uh, if they keep winning, Kennesaw could slide into that eight if they keep winning.
1: Man, dude, we got some ESP, man. I was like, I'll think about Kennesaw, and I'll think about Southern Louisiana. Those would be really edgy, cool answers. And then (laughs) Jamie, the man, is already tracking on it. So I can't say anything better than that. I will say just kind of, I think most people would think on a lock level, Sam Houston's going to be a seed. Eastern at this point, If they've, they've got some tough games, but should be a seed. NDSUS, DSUSIU, possible seeds. Villanova. Nova. I mean, there's, it's, there's going to be a team that's going to be really upset. I think the way things are playing out or am I over exaggerating Kyler and it's going to be simple at the end.
0: I think the there's a few teams that definitely have locks I, and I, I'm not even going to say Eastern Washington's a lock right now. They look very promising and I'm not going to bet against them. I think they will be a seed in the playoffs and arguably potentially a top two, but in terms of locks, I think Sam Houston is a lock. I think North Dakota state is a lock. I think Southern Illinois right now is a lock. And then I'm going to say Villanova and James Madison is a lock. Um, South Dakota state is not a lock right now, just because if they beat North Dakota state, maybe South Dakota state's not going to be ranked at the, or, you know, seeded in the top eight. Um, But North Dakota state can still afford a loss. So we still could get three seeded Missouri Valley teams. But right now I don't think South Dakota state's a lock. They're going to be pretty close. I don't think Montana state is going to be a lock right now either. Um, either is Eastern. I mean, anything can happen where either one of these teams can potentially drop two games in the last four. Um, I like everything Jamie said, but in terms of what's a lock, I think there's only five for sure locks right now. Um, Besides you guys will probably argue with me and say Eastern is a lock. I'm just going to, they look like it, but I want to see what they get through the gauntlet of their schedule first before I just say it's a guarantee, but it it looks promising, but those are my only locks because I don't see James Madison losing anymore. I don't see Villanova losing anymore because they already kind of went through their tough part of the schedule and playing James Madison. And I'm not sold really on the rest of the CAA. And I don't think North Dakota State, they can afford one loss and still be a seed. S- Southern Illinois, I don't see them losing. Even if they do, they could probably still afford one loss and be a seed. Same with South Dakota State. If they win out, they're a seed. If not, probably pushing on the outside.
1: Man, it's going to be crazy. How about UT Martin? Could UT Martin? They played. They played virtually nobody. Is there too many good teams in front of them though, to where they would have a shot? Jamie, we we were bouncing top twenty-five polls against each other a little bit today. I, I saw that they are the sexy riser. Um, they have a shot at all or no?
2: I mean, it's outside. It's way outside. Um, they have not lost against an FCS team. I don't believe. I think their loss was Western Kentucky. Which is an FBS team with a bunch of uh, FCS transfers. By the way, they have Bailey Zappi and the Stearns brothers from Houston Baptist, and I believe they have uh, Mister Steel the Marker, Adam Cofield as a running back. Um, so, just a little nugget on Western Kentucky. Um, but UT Martin again, they play in the Ohio Valley, who, who has lost everybody, but they beat Jacksonville State. They've got Austin P this weekend, and they really should win out and they're going to be unbeaten against the FCS. And a lot of times that does pique the uh, interest of the committee. I don't think they're going to have a a big enough win to to be there, but um, if enough chaos happens, maybe they will.
1: Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. I would really um, encourage everybody that uh, you definitely subscribe to this podcast, like this podcast, but subscribe for sure. Because um, It's coming up quicker than you think, which we're only about four and a half, five weeks away. We will do an episode where we will mock the entire playoff field. So we will pretend we are the committee and we will mock how it plays out. And we'll have um, a bracketologist in the background. And that's a lot of fun. And I, I'm, I think we're going to learn in that moment, Jamie, that we're not going to envy the committee at all because this is going to be a tough, tough decision.
2: Yeah, I just hope it's not a crap show like our our bracket uh, podcast last time. That that went off the rails a little bit, um, but that's okay. People still watched, and they listened, so that's all that matters.
1: For sure. We're going to try to do a little bit more realistic this year, and I think it's going to play out pretty cool. So we'll have to see how it plays out. Um, Guys, we we were literally just talking about them, so I think it's only right that we keep the conversation going. Mr. Pete and Hagen, I believe a great South Dakota State fan, had a few questions for us, but I wanted to really – Go with this one for him. Um, he says, we've seen Southern Illinois narrowly win these past few weeks against ranked teams. Are they getting lucky? Are they a great team? Great matchups? Overrated? Um, he wants to kind of know about Southern Illinois. And I talked about this on a previous podcast. I, I just think that they are at that peak of three, team, three years of building a really good team. And they are not the kind of team that's going to go away in any matchup. And great matchup is a really good part of this question because... Heck, yeah. Even though UND has had its struggles, they almost beat NDSU and like they almost just beat Southern Illinois. They're a good team that is playing tough opponents. Um, And then going to South Dakota State and winning, heck, even NDSU is having struggles trying to pull that off. So um, I just think it's really great matchups. And Southern Illinois has that mental fortitude to push through and win those games at the end. And to quote Jamie from earlier in the podcast If you can win those close games, pretty magical things can happen. But outside of perspective, looking in guys on Salukis and Nick Hill, uh, what do you think, Kyler? Are you head over heels with SIU? Obviously, you think they're going to run the table, but are they just narrowly escaping to be doomed in the playoffs later? Or is this just how it was always going to be?
0: You know what? Some teams are just stingy. Um, You kind of alluded to this. They kind of had that power to will or willpower, and they have the heart. I think that's just Southern Illinois this year. They're they're a really good team who can beat you on both sides of the ball. They're playing a tough schedule, you know. Sure, they they got barely by um, South Dakota State. That's an that's a win. <laughs> I don't, I don't care what you say, even though South Dakota State probably just should have kicked the extra point and try again. But I like the balls from South Dakota State for trying. But yeah, Southern Illinois, man. I mean, look at them in the playoffs. Even in the spring, they went over to Weber. And now Weaver was struggling through most of the year, but they were still winning. Weaver was leading the whole game. Southern Illinois does not quit. They don't quit. Um, You know, they had a fight back against some of these teams. I think it was, what, Youngstown State? Was that who they played up above? Or Illinois State? Illinois State was beaten by, what, 17, 14 points? And then Southern Illinois stormed back. They won. They were almost – they almost had Kansas State. They had Kansas State on the ropes. This is a very good team. can beat you in all facets of the game and guess what they're just they have a tough schedule and they're playing with a lot of heart but shout out to jeremiah rash i love the salukis emblem and the white helmets he ended up going to the game this weekend he picked me up a little mini helmet and he's shipping them down to me
1: Um, i'll be
0: rocking my southern illinois helmet in some of the podcasts just because outside of everyone else in the valley man i'm rooting for southern illinois Uh, i hope they continue to do well yeah, I, I love the way they play, man. They they got a lot of heart. They're like the Western Illinois version, but super talented.
1: And like in terms of close matchups, like if you took anybody in the FCS, anybody and you're like, all right, here's your next three games in 2021. You're going to go to South Dakota State and UND is going to come to town and then you're going to get a little bit of a break. but We're going to send you to Northern Iowa that you look at that schedule preseason and you go, oh, crap. Maybe not normally with UND, but coming off the spring season, you're like, that's not going to be good. So give me a one point law one point win. Give me a two point win. It doesn't matter. Those those are good wins. And this is the type of team that people should not be ignoring. So Jamie, I've asked you this question. I'm going to twist this in here a little bit as a James Madison fan. If you had to travel to Southern Illinois, what's your confidence meter? What are you thinking from a team that is traditionally almost a guaranteed semifinal team with James Madison?
2: If we had to go play in Carbondale, gosh, that, that would be tough. Um, especially the way our offense is kind of regressed. I'm not, I don't want to, this is a Southern Illinois question. So let's uh, take it back to what Southern Illinois would be able to do. They've, they've got the running backs and they've got, you know, the quarterback receiver combo that have that kind of offensive balance that could keep our, our front seven off balance and keep us from pinning the ears back and coming after them. So I, I think with Nick Baker being able to be accurate and I mean, 13 out of, out of 16, like he didn't throw it a lot, but that, that's, that's phenomenal. And they just look at that. They've got three, four guys with five or more carries. It just—it's a lot of balance.
1: Javon Williams is a freak too. Like he's—he's yeah. he he's this everything. weird X factor who he looks like a quarterback, but he yep. plays running back. But they use him in different scenarios. And Southern Illinois, as a Valley team, doesn't get a lot of love either for their receivers, but their receivers are really talented as well. And that's so, even
2: without their best one, Devonte yep. Cox. Um, so I think it's just funny to me, Southern Illinois. You know. Everybody has, they love or hate North Dakota State. They love or hate South Dakota State. They love or hate North Dakota. Does anybody really hate Southern Illinois? I don't think so. We know there's never, never been a reason. Like, Go That's um, right. And the one thing, you know, I hate to say, well, did they just get lucky? Did they just get lucky? No, they don't. You don't just get lucky. I mean, did Villanova get lucky that Ethan Radke missed two field goals? Or did Villanova keep our offense from getting close enough for Ethan Radke to be able to make the field goal? You know, so I hate that. Did they get lucky? No, they made the plays they needed to make and the other team didn't. And that's a mark of a good team. And, you know, so what that they beat Western Illinois by one in overtime? It doesn't matter. It's a win in that conference, in any conference game. It's a win. Take it, especially with the rest of the schedule. They're battle tested tell tell me how they feel going into the playoffs with these tight games that they've won and they know how that they can win no matter what the circumstance so lucky no overrated no they're great
1: yeah siu is looking real good it's now time for what may be the toughest part for them maybe the toughest part and most impressive thing about the easterns the james masson's the ndsu's cute people who hate us and only we only talk about our teams um Is that can you finish out the rest of this regular season to set yourself up in a position to really have that advantage in the playoffs? Because one trip up to Missouri State Youngstown at the end, and suddenly you're back in that conversation of well, we thought who they they are who we thought they were, but we think right now Southern Illinois you're really good. So kudos to the Salukis and Jeremiah Rash. So, all right, guys, final two questions here of our Big Seven, Mr. Bruce Edmiston. Awesome Jacksonville State fan. Had a few questions for us. He said, admin's choice. So I chose to go with this one. Which teams outside the top 25 are your dark horses at this point? Also, Mr. Edmiston, a little bit of a golf clap on YouTube. I'm giving that to you because you have um, aggressively said that Weber State is overrated and was overrated from their preseason ranking. And uh, while Weber has kept games close or played average at best, they are definitely not championship to quarterfinal material so kudos to you my man i'm gonna give you your shout out and uh jamie i have to start with you as a stat, stats top 25 voter the only guy i guarantee the best stats voter out there who makes a 1 through 126 team ranking list to start the season so i know you've got some dark horses outside that top 25 or ones that are about to enter which ones could end up in that second round i wouldn't say quarterfinal but which ones could have that first round upset as an at-large my man
2: Yeah, that's that's a good way to qualify the question. So if you look at uh, the top 25 of them this week, I'm going to pick two teams that are just outside that are probably going to enter the uh, discussion on the top 25 this week. One being VMI, the other being Eastern Kentucky. Uh, VMI and the Southern Conference just bouncing back after, you know, they lost to the Citadel. It's a huge rivalry game, and the Citadel always gets up for it, and they beat them um i did not think they would handle um mercer like they did i just assumed that mercer would be able to just run the ball all day on vmi and keep the offense off off the field and they wouldn't be able to sling it around and vmi actually beat them with the running game started with a pick six right away and they were gone eastern kentucky um they don't have any huge wins. They beat Central Arkansas this week, but they look like they they now look like they could be the second team out of the AQ seven if they're going to get two. If, if that can um, potentially run that table, so we'll see how how that goes. But those are those are my two.
1: Tyler, um, what what Ivies can really make a big dent in the playoffs here since they're uh, highly ranked within your top twenty five? Of course, I'm
0: glad I'm glad you alluded to that because that was actually going to be my answer and go. All of the dark horses, the whole Ivy League. You all peasants are lucky they're not in the playoffs. All of them would be in the semifinals. So all you peasants are lucky. Um, no, I, I was actually, that was actually what I was gonna say too. I'm oh. glad you I'm glad you did that. That's not even me just trolling. Um, I was literally gonna gonna troll you a little bit and go, yeah, the whole Ivies are a dark horse. Um, but <laughs> so I, I think um I like Jamie's answer. I just Really outside the top twenty-five, I don't see anyone who could potentially you know make the playoffs right now. That that's kind of. Can horrible. I give you
1: an auto? Can I give you an auto bid for you to 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 throw it at me? Sure. Because you're you're the facts guy, right? So most people are going to hear what I'm about to say, and they're going to get all giddy because they love Cinderella stories. And Tyler's like, Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> how about Duquesne?
0: No. How, how about
1: Duquesne? Hear me out. Auto bid. They 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 come in auto bid, they they beat Miami Ohio, that's a two point victory for them. So their only loss is to FBS TCU, and mm-hmm. they're undefeated right now at FCS play. But obviously they're just going to be playing the rest of a very easy conference in the NEC. Yep. Could they have a first round win? Could Duquesne win in the first round, Kyler? Um, or they get the, they're they're likely going to get sent to a, a murder fest somewhere in the East Coast. But
0: well, the good thing is. Since they are on the East Coast, the NEC has a chance to maybe get one of the last Valley team or um, CAA teams to come in. So let's say it it is a Rhode Island who comes in and makes the playoffs, right? Because Rhode Island just had that loss. They were undefeated prior. So you're like, oh, Rhode Island's almost a lock. But let's say for some reason, Rhode Island loses two more games or a bubble team. They can make it into the playoffs. Yeah, Duquesne can potentially be a Rhode Island. They can potentially be a William & Mary. Would I bet on it? I don't think I'm going to be betting on it, but there are some intriguing matchups in the, the Eastern part of the conference to where you have so many schools that are close together where they may get a favorable matchup. Who knows? Maybe the, even the NEC, depending on who wins and has some bids, maybe they can play like a Patriot League team and just get that automatic type of one game matchup to where they're like, hey, guess what? Yeah, we can beat you. Um, so I definitely think there's a chance. If if anyone from the NEC Patriot League Pioneer has a chance for a uh first round win i do think it's duquesne i just it it's really gonna depend on the matchup if if villanova maybe does drop one more and they're not seated i'm not gonna pick duquesne to go travel to villanova and beat villanova um i don't think duquesne's gonna win the bid to host a home field advantage unless like i said maybe there's just a whole bunch of teams who were not anticipating being in the playoffs who make the playoffs so they bid extremely low and maybe duquesne you know gets that home field advantage in that first round um but they have the best chance still not gonna bet on it
2: yeah i think you hit on it kyler i think their their chance to win a first round game is if villanova gets a seed and you know nobody in that northeast makes it it's like rhode island like craps a bed and then they they get to play holy cross or fordham then i'd give them a shot other than that um i don't think so
1: it's uh it's interesting to look at it's kind of fun mid-season and i love this question bruce it's why i picked it to kind of look at those teams that are going to auto bid out of a weaker conference or they're going to just sneak in and great points by both of you based off matchups could we see a victory or two so not going to pick any of these teams for frisco or semifinals, but they've got a shot to you know ruin a perfect playoff bracket right after the first weekend there on thanksgiving so it could be fun all right guys uh Jamie, I cut you off earlier. Kyler, I know you're going to be excited about this. We're going to finish our big seven here with a question from Mr. Dustin Helton, the Rev coming up. Thank you so much for joining us again. Should we just give Eric Barrier III the Walter Payton Award? This is a great question. And I don't think you're going to go quite Homer here, Kyler, because I think you've got some pretty cool thoughts with this. Um, What do you think, my man? Uh, Jamie, you are a voter. So, of course, we want to get your perspective. But Kyler, you are an Eastern Washington fan, so does EB3 just get it handed to him? What do you think, dude?
0: I don't think it's it's getting handed to him. I mean, it seems like every single week the 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 thing is okay, Eric Berrier is so far in the lead. And then this this little dude from the northeast. Um, I don't even know if it's northeast, you know. I guess it's south.
1: Yeah, you're gonna Definitely wanna go very way down south,
0: low. very south. Um, but you know, this six seven giant, he's torching everyone, the Walter Payton winner last year. Um, this is, I think, easily a two-man race. I don't see anyone else trying to compete with Eric Berrier and Cole Kelly right now. But, no, you just can't say Eric Berrier, It's he's 100% going to win. Cole Kelly's putting up fantastic stats, too. They're both having record-breaking seasons to where, I mean, honestly, Cole Kelly, he's running more than Eric Berrier. He's got some rushing touchdowns. Eric Berrier is lacking that. He's really only a pocket passer this year, and then he's scrambling to get outside. In terms of passing... Eric Berry, if you're only focusing on really the passing yards, Eric Berry may break the season record for yards in a season without even going to the playoffs. That is dumb. Um, he he has a chance. He's on pace to go over what Gage Goober did in the single season or pretty close to it. And that's without the playoffs. And Gage Goober made it to the semifinals to get that record. So Eric Berry, he's playing on another worldly level. I've never seen this. He's the most efficient quarterback in the nation. He has the most yards. He has the most points. He doesn't have a lot of um, interceptions. He's leading on yards per play at almost, what is it, 16 yards a of, of pass. I've never seen Eric Berrier play like this, but it's hard to not look at Cole Kelly's stats and go, Cole Kelly, you are definitely still in this race. This reminds me a lot of the Henneke versus Vernon Adams, Walter Payton race, or even Briscoe versus Gage Gruber, Walter Payton race, where you have two front runners who are so far ahead of everyone else but they are battling with each other neck and neck. And I like, I like Southeastern Louisiana's schedule a little bit more than Eastern's to where we're actually playing two, three tough defenses to end the season where I think Cole Kelly's going to have the exact same numbers. He's been doing the the front half of the season. I think by the end of this, maybe Cole Kelly could push it out, but uh, both of them deserve it. Can, can we just, this is that one where I think a participation trophy is worth it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. Um, SLU Cole Kelly in the FCS national rankings, uh, first for completion percentage, second for completions per game. Um, passing touchdowns, he got twenty three, so he's second there. Passing yards, he's second with twenty three hundred points. Responsible for, I mean, he's just absolutely tearing it up down there. Jamie, I'm gonna I, I want to get your perspective on this as a voter, but I really want to take it in a different way because stats will matter because stats typically really indicate who wins this award it's the stats award but what people complain about is we feel like the voters don't take enough in account in terms of how they impact the team right it's just like you put up a bunch of stats how much you impact the team so question for you who do you think matters more based off the talent around them and coaching does EB3 or Cole Kelly mean more for these teams in 2021 for playoff and national title success. What do you think?
2: Uh, it's probably Kelly. I don't know even what's behind him. Um, I think all Eastern fans, um, are really confident with, uh, Gunner Gunnar talking to coming in and playing an entire game, uh, and, you know, leading them to victory. But I mean, the Walter Payton award is just, it's the award for the best player. It, it doesn't matter. It's not an, it's not a, it's a player award. And, yeah, you got to have a good team around you to win it, but it's, it's, it's not like an MVP to to me that, you know, you got to lead your team to a, like a ton of success. I mean, yeah, you do, but you're gonna, but um, should we give it to, to Eric. No, I actually think you should tell him he's not going to get it because nobody plays pissed off more than, uh, Eric. And <laughs> I want to see him continue to do it. And I kind of feel like Aaron best is trying to make sure that he's in it. Um, because why else is he in there in the third quarter of a fifty-point blowout? Uh, you know, so I, I I think they're you know they're they're making their point. Uh, I think um, Eric wasn't very happy that he didn't win it in the spring, and um, Aaron Best is a player's coach. He's like, I'm gonna give my my guy every chance to win it. Cole Kelly, he's gonna be in a shootout game uh, every game, so he's gonna have to. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where I see it. Yes. I love that perspective. Cole,
0: Cole Kelly's definitely gonna be playing more minutes than Eric Berrier. Um, So that's going to help his stats also, because like Jamie just said, Eric Berrier hasn't really played in too many full fourth quarters. He played in one drive this one, maybe a drive in Northern Colorado, maybe a drive in Southern Illinois, maybe a drive in Central Washington. He's had a lot of fourth quarters off, and he's still putting up these stupid numbers. But Cole Kelly, he's because I do think Eastern Washington's defense is better than, you know, Southeast Louisiana's, Cole Kelly He's in there and they're still blowing teams out. They're still dominating. Um, but in terms to answer even your question, Matt, because I want to go back to this, who's more important to the team? I think Eastern Washington would still be able to win more games without Eric Berrier than Cole, then Southeast Louisiana would win more games without Cole Kelly. I think he's more important, but in terms of the national landscape, I think Eric Berrier gives eastern Washington a better chance to win a national championship than Cole Kelly gives southeast Louisiana a, b- a chance to win a national championship because I think eastern Washington overall has more talent around the board where Cole Kelly they don't really even have a running game he's he's everything on that team and um he's he's really the MVP of I think a specific position but uh, Eric Berry is doing some ungodly things that I've never seen mm-hmm. at this level
1: yeah, it's uh, it's uh, I love that perspective and that take from you guys, because what I just learned from this conversation is, you know, MVP and like the NFL stats do matter, but they they do value that like value to the team where this is like Jamie said, it's an individual award acquiring stats. And some people might not like that, but it does matter in terms of the voting of how talented of a player are you. So really cool. Best yeah, just, of luck just to both to of you.
2: Sorry, Matt, just to yep. go directly to what it says the Walter Payton award is an a- awarded annually to the most outstanding offensive player in the FCS. That, that's the most outstanding offensive player. So that's that's kind of how I frame it in my mind. And stats matter in that. That's, that's how you become the most outstanding offensive player.
0: For sure. And one thing that also may sway a little bit towards Eric's favor. Publicity. Um if you guys saw Twitter last night, it wasn't just FCS, you know, major publications talking about Eric Barry like Hero Sports or Athlon, ESPN. You had the score. You had all of these major Twitter accounts that have over 1 million followers and plus um Bleacher Report, all of these that are talking about holy crap, look at this Eric Barry 600-yard 8 touchdown performance. That's going to help with the voters eyes if if you know his name is everywhere. Right now, who's the more famous quarterback, even though Kelly is the Walter Payton Award winner and Eric's only the finalist? Eric Barrier, across the board, is the more famous player right now. He's getting the most love, Um, but I definitely don't think it's it's only a one-person race.
1: Very interesting, guys. Uh, I wish them both the best of luck moving forward and health. I really hope both these players just please stay healthy. Let's keep them upright so we can have a lot of fun in the playoffs and see how productive they can be. Um, and on stage next to each other, they're basically the same height from my understanding, right? Six, seven. And no, I'm kidding, of course. Uh, but uh, and I hope for both their teams. Hey, I hope maybe one, maybe both aren't even on the stage because they're prepping maybe for a national title game. So it could be cool. All right. Well, guys, that hits our big seven questions of the week. But we have some awesome quick hitters here that we're going to knock out. Give some more shout outs and keep this pod rolling. Just because your question is answered quickly doesn't mean we don't care these are the quick hit questions of the week all right guys kicking off our quick hit questions with mr andy holland he is so serious he is not being facetious at all when he asks are the playoffs even official if the grizz don't make it uh and as we both know i'm kidding because i believe that's a little stab at uh coach bobby there from montana who had a lot to say about the spring playoffs because the Grizz weren't involved with the Grizz losing. Jamie, will the Grizz make the playoffs? And uh how far could they be now? I mean, literally we were thinking about them as title contenders.
2: Yeah, we were. Um but I, I think um like I've been saying just pump the brakes on them a little bit. I mean don't get me wrong winning against a pack 10 pac twelve show mage there. Pac 12 team is a big deal. But we also said Washington stinks. It's just, I mean, you should give them as much credit for beating Washington as Eastern Estate for beating Vanderbilt. And yes, I know Washington will probably beat Vanderbilt by like 30 points, but still, they both stink. They're at the bottom of their of their conferences. Um, and I think, like Kyle said earlier, kind of underestimated Sacramento State because we didn't really know what they were. Without Kevin Thompson, um, their running back, uh, Dotson, Retired like this week, I think. So they were kind of uh, in shambles. So yeah, are they going to make the playoffs? Uh, they probably will. I, th- I thought they would easily win the brawl. Now I'm not sure. So uh, if they don't make it, uh, it's definitely official because uh, they couldn't even uh, compete in the Big Sky in a regular fall season uh, when they had all a whole lot more rest than everybody else. So Bobby yeah, Hawks stinks.
1: Yeah, they've lost. They've lost some. Uh, they've lost some offensive linemen to leaving the program and things like that. And the QB injury is hurting them. So they still have a shot to make the playoffs. But of course, we like to poke fun at just the comments, not that Montana's downfall a little bit, or at the comments of what were made in the spring, of course. So, uh, Kyler, moving into our next quick hit, Mr. Joshua Hoffman. He wants to know: Does Jacksonville State even stand a chance if they somehow beat Sam Houston? What are repercussions on both sides of that? He also asked about ice cream. So. Talk about Jacksonville state and then tell me your favorite ice cream.
0: Awesome. Um, Jacksonville state is such a weird team. And we talk about them every single year and what they're capable of and why they are not capable of doing what they're capable of. I know that was a lot of capables, uh, but (laughs) let me kind of uh, go back to this game, Sam Houston, they should win this game, but Jacksonville state is just a team. You can't count out in specific games. Now. I don't think they're a team that's going to be able to make it through three tough games in a row. But anytime you beat Florida State, you're capable of beating any FCS program. I'm, I'm just going to say that. Now, they haven't looked good. They've lost to EKU. They've lost um, to UT Martin. They barely got by, you know, Stephen F. Austin, who I think Sam Houston is quite a bit better than Stephen F. Austin right now. So, are they capable of beating Sam Houston? Yes, you beat Florida State. You're capable of beating anyone in the FCS level. Are you going to beat Sam Houston? Probably not, especially at Bowers. I like Sam Houston over Jacksonville State right now. Um, but Jacksonville State's just that weird team. You can never count them out. If, if someone doesn't prep for them well enough, Jacksonville State can surprise you. If you prep for them, you, you should be able to win if you're a top-tier FCS team. Um, but what's my favorite ice cream? Anything with cookie dough and uh, anything Blue Bell. So there you go. Or Tillamook. I love Tillamook as well. You know, Keep it local to where the two places I've lived. You know, Blue Bell for Texas. Tillamook for, you know, the Pacific Northwest area. In Arizona, we just had dirt. So that's not a good (laughs) flavor. I do not recommend dirt. Um, But everything else, yeah, anything cookie dough, man.
1: Love it. Chocolate chip cookie dough, extra cookie dough at that Dairy Queen Blizzard. Um, All right, guys, uh, this is Garth Rauschenberger. He wants to know who is the best offense, defense, and most balanced team right now. I'll split this up amongst you three. Um, I will start with the defense the bias bison admin uh ndsu is the best defense in the fcs right now uh, they're giving up 7.2 points per game through six contests they are number one in total defense number six in rushing defense number one in red zone defense number two in third down conversion defense number two in first down defense number five in sacks number five in passing yards allowed it's the best defense in the fcs right now however their offense number one rushing offense 114th in passing not a recipe for maybe a championship, but we'll have to see with a good defense. You never know. So, uh, Kyler, I'll toss you the most balanced because you had a tweet about this, my man. And then, Jamie, I'll give you the offensive question. Kyler, what do you think? Most balanced. What was my tweet? Your tweet is, I have much respect for Sam Houston oh. and NDSU yeah. and others. It had like 34 likes, so very popular. Yeah. Um, but you said you believe, you believe Eastern is the most balanced team right now.
0: No, I said I think they're the best.
1: Oh, the best. Um, okay.
0: I, I this is one of those things where I've seen good Eastern Washington offices before, never seen anything like this, so I think we actually can beat the balanced teams. I think if I'm actually looking at the top balanced teams, though, who can beat you on anything in a low-scoring defensive slugfest or, or in a shoot-em-out, I think there's two teams that stick out more than anyone else, um, and I'm still going to say, even though one of them has a loss and one of them's undefeated, I think South Dakota State and Sam Houston are both the two most balanced programs right now. Um, They're really strong defensively. They're really strong offensively. I think those are the two most balanced. Um, Just don't think either of them are going to win the title.
1: Interesting. Jamie, what do you think, man? Uh, Are those Walter Payton guys in charge of the best offenses?
2: Who's the best offense right now? Eastern. It's not even close. I mean, they're just, they're scoring 60 points a game just about anytime they want to. And if you want to beat them, you better get...
1: 50 you better get 50 and uh bouncing back to kyler's comment to bounce off you jamie he did mention like cole kelly is kind of running a lot of this whole thing eastern does have a really good running game to complement that pass game as well so all right guys question here from karen jamie this one's going to you my man has the spring season affected teams with injuries especially physical teams of that physical nature like south dakota state even saw like um the the quarterback from sam houston uh had to take a game off like are we seeing some of those effects now or no?
2: I don't think it has anything to do with the spring. Um, it's football. Injuries happen in football. Um, Cam Humphrey didn't play in the spring, and he's hurt. So I think that's just a, an easy thing to go to. Like somebody gets hurt for a team that played in the spring and went to the playoffs, like, oh, they should have played the spring or they played the spring, and now they played 16 games in the last 12 months, and injuries going to happen. Well, I mean – They're 19 to 23. So, you know, I don't think that spring season is impacting injuries. Um, Might wear them down a little bit uh, just because of so much football being played. But I, I think it's just it's just football.
1: Just football. Yeah. Some of the injuries from some of our splitting hair podcast folks, they've tweeted things out about South Dakota State injuries of like the broken arm is not going to because of wear and tear like that. You know, these are kind of freak injuries, some of them that have happened. So we hope good health and we hope that everybody keeps playing well. So uh, Mr. Charlie Seaman wants to know what half of football was the best to watch from the weekend? Uh, Charlie, I'm going to give you one here. Uh, It was Southern Illinois and UND. Um, That game was actually 28 all all the way up until seven minutes left. Southern Illinois gets a field goal for the win. But like there was no other scoring from that point on. And uh, it was pretty cool. Like if you had to just watch one half, it would be that matchup. So despite UND losing um, their third straight conference game, the matchup was really good. In Southern Illinois, they, they like to put on a good show. So uh, guys, I hate to be selfish, but I'm gonna take Scott Moody's question here too about what top ten teams are risked to lose this week because the top ten has a lot of fun this week. Um, I looked it up here. You have Sam Houston going to Jacksonville State. Eastern's going. Eastern's got Weber. NDSU's got Missouri State. Those, These are all like ranked teams. I'm not sure about Weber after Monday. But South Dakota State, you and I, James Madison's going to Delaware. Villanova hosts Rhode Island, who's 5-1. Southern Illinois is on a bye. And I'm not really going to count Montana and ETSU because they're going to be out of the top 10 on the question. Uh, besides Montana State, probably going to beat Idaho State as like a guarantee. It wouldn't shock me to see some of these other teams lose. So for you, Scott, pop up four different screens with the ESPN plus app and watch as much as possible because it's going to be fun. So, all right, Kyler final two, this one here for you, man. Thumper from the splitting hairs podcast, uh, on our FCS fans nation network. Make sure you subscribe on YouTube. He says with UC Davis and Montana losing head scratchers, how does the big sky shake out after Eastern Washington? So just what's your gut reaction right now? of Who gets in with Eastern from the big sky?
0: I, um, What's crazy is I I think the the best road to get to the playoffs right now outside of what Eastern has, because I just think Eastern Washington is right now the best team in the big sky. I think Sac State actually has the best road to the playoffs. Um, That UC Davis loss to Idaho State is definitely a fluke with Hunter coming back, but he also hasn't looked good after his injury. I don't think he's playing fully healthy. If I'm UC Davis, I'm scared of playing Eastern Washington, but that's also their only tough game left. If they can get past, or if they can get by with just a loss to Eastern Washington and make through the rest of their schedule, they're probably in the playoffs. Montana State, they got through one of their tough games. They have Montana and Eastern left. They could probably actually afford two losses and still make it in the postseason. Uh, Montana, I don't, I don't know. Right now, they're probably still looking safe, even if they lose to Montana State. That one's going to put them on a bubble. That that P5 win is really going to carry over. I have no clue how it's going to end. If I had to rank them in terms of best chances to make the playoffs and worse, I'm going to go Eastern Washington, Sac State, UC Davis, Montana State, Montana, Weber. Those are like the best chances because Weber can still win out and make the playoffs. I know Bruce is saying they're completely done. It is most likely not going to be the case that they're going to win out. But they also don't have many tough teams left. They have Eastern Washington and Jay Hill has played them extremely well. Uh, they They shut us down the last two times. Now we look different. So that's going to be an interesting game but if weber can get by and win eastern they're probably going to win out and even they have a chance to go to the playoffs so i have no clue but those are my my chances on who has the best case in order
1: cool cool awesome we'll see how the big sky plays out final one here guys before we get our game of the week a fun one for mr brandon anderson brandon always has like great normal questions but he threw us a twist this week which is great he says if price and dress codes weren't an issue what kind of Halloween costume would you wear to a game? Oh, I like this. Um, I'm like a five year big spender on Halloween costumes. So like I had the Wilford costume if anyone remembers the show Wilford like this guy saw this dog and he partied with him and stuff. It's on Comedy Central, I think. But I had that costume for years. And then um, I'm currently on a Pennywise big fancy Pennywise costume. So I'm going to rock that on. But uh, my next one, I'm going to go Darth Vader down the line. Uh, a really high end fancy one here in a few years. So I would make that NDSU an NDSU style Darth Vader thing. Cause you know, the evil empire. So I'd have some logos on it. That would be my, my costume for you there, Mr. Anderson, Jamie, if price were no option, dress codes, uh birthday suit, I guess if you want, uh, what would you rock to the, to the game there?
2: I don't know. I'm not a big Halloween costume guy. I mean, I rocked the George Bush one year. I did Gilligan one year. Um, uh stuff i had around the house because i was like let's throw something on uh i guess i mean cop out one buy the duke.com costume and just go there that way
1: there you go you're you're like jim halpert i don't know if you watch the office but he he does not dress up for halloween so uh, i just don't (laughs) kyler what do you got man
0: man halloween's been a little different from back in my heyday i used to be one of those last minute deciding what to do one time i just wore a wetsuit because That's all there was around. Another time I went to the Halloween store on Halloween. The only thing left were dresses. Uh, Show me
1: that picture. I want that picture. Oh,
0: I'll show it to him. But if money wasn't an option, I would buy the jumpy Joe Vandal outfit. The grumpy, not jumpy. I think I said jumpy. But the grumpy Joe Vandal outfit. And I would wear it to an Eastern Washington game. Just being grumpy the whole time. Being a Vandal fan about how this program has, you know, dropped down to the fcs after they're supposed to be national title contenders and just haven't performed well and also that that jumpy grow or the grumpy joe geez that's hard to say grumpy joe (laughs) was the coolest decal i've seen on a sticker besides maybe the uca bears um so i actually like it but i also wanted to troll them a little bit so that's what i'd be for halloween and the eastern game grumpy joe
1: grumpy joe no more dresses grumpy joe it is so all right gents thank you so much for all the questions fcs fans nation i think we got to everybody here so quick hits or big ones they're always appreciated on the page guys so let's finish this sucker off with our game of the week this is the matchup you should be paying attention to this is the fcs fans nation game of the week all right gentlemen we have a good one here of course our recording is sunday october 17th 2021 so know that these rankings will change of course but right now, number 12, five and one Rhode Island. Rhode Island is traveling to uh, number six five and one Villanova. And we are going to see how that matchup plays out as it might have huge playoff and seeding implications for the CAA and the entire field. Um, I don't think Rhode Island's gonna fly a New England, New England Patriots jet this time, which was pretty cool. If you didn't see that on Twitter, Rhode Island literally traveled in their last game uh on an NFL jet from Mr. Kraft. So that that's pretty cool. All right, guys. So, game of the week time. I'm going to pop up on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Our current standings right now, Kyler, you are sitting there with a record of six and two. I am four and four. Jamie, you are three and five. Uh, We've had some weeks where we've done double picks. So, that's why the numbers don't match. But for week eight, guys, let's do it. Rhode Island at Villanova. Jamie, you're a CAA expert. Actually, you know what? Kyler, you're in the lead. You've got to go
0: first. That's a standard rule. Go ahead, my man. All right, you peasants. Um, so I think I think it's Villanova's game to lose. I think Villanova's the better team. Sorry, you know Joe DeLeon and Sean Anderson. I just don't think Rhode Island's gonna get it done. Give me Villanova, um, thirty-two, Rhode Island, twenty-one.
1: righty, so I guess it's me. Um, I'll take the upset here. Um, I don't think I just don't think seeding's gonna be. I don't ever use logic when I do this. So I just don't think seeding's gonna be as easy to or as uh, crazy to where. Like, Villanova's got one loss, and JMU's got one loss, and, like, it's really tough in the committee. It just seems to work itself out. So, using no logic at all, I will take Rhode Island to win this game, and I will take them to win at 27-21. to 21. And I also don't think we should just overreact just because James Madison was beat by somebody, so then suddenly things are guaranteed. So, there you go. 27-21, Rhode Island with the victory, giving Jamie a chance to catch up. And, Jamie, it's up to you, my man. What do you got?
2: Yeah. Rhode Island losing Towson really took some luster off this matchup, didn't it? Um, you know, it's, if the game was in Rhode Island, I might go off the board and pick Rhode Island, but it's, it's a Villanova home game. They survived their trap after the big win. It's a too, it's too much of a veteran team. It's a too well, too much of a well-coached team. Uh, and they'll look at what Towson did to Rhode Island to kind of slow them down. And they're, Defense is way better than Towson's. So I'm going to take Villanova, and I'm not going to take it especially close. I'm going to say Villanova 30 to 13.
1: Oh, big, big match up here. All right, so Jamie and Kyler are thinking Nova's going to just maintain their standard. I will take the upset there with Rhode Island. Let's get some more chaos. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, we have reached our finale as we are looking forward to an exciting week eight of FCS football Of course, make sure to like and subscribe this podcast on your preferred platform, Google, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe and like on YouTube as well. If you want to watch these episodes, Um, FCS Fans Nation, the YouTube thing is the FCS Fans Nation Network. So if you're a fan of the Splitting Hairs podcast, if you want to watch the Rev with the WAC podcast, uh, Eagles Power Hour, Mr. Kyler Neal, the Chris Football Show, we have a lot of content available for you guys. So YouTube is the place to kind of transition into. Um, But that being said, shout out to our fans, of course, for answering our questions. We really appreciate it. Um, One final comment there from you, Mr. Neal, about how you're feeling about the rest of the FCS and for your Eastern Washington Eagles who are right now the hot topic, my man, take us away.
0: How I'm feeling about the FCS, man. I think the FCS is awesome this year. There's a lot of parody, but there's also, I think, a lot of elite teams that maybe we haven't seen in years overall, though. I like my Eastern Washington Eagles, and you can call me biased. I don't care. We're going to red turf Rabbit. it. Uh, I've never seen Eastern Washington's team look like this on really both sides of the ball. Defensively, yes, they're pretty similar to 2018, which 2018 got them to Frisco. Uh, most people just keep tw- tweeting me and going, they played really bad against Western Illinois. Cool. Name another game that we played bad. I, I don't care what you said, and even that bad game – we still scored almost 60 points in one half, where it's taking all of these other teams who are beating Western Illinois to score 40 at the end of the game. We were up big. I don't care. It's a win's a win. I don't think anyone's keeping up with this Eastern Washington offense right now if we get in a shootout. And I don't think anyone's holding us to below 34 points, 35 points. We'll see with Weber this week. That's a true test for a defensive team because they... They beat the crap out of Montana state's offense and offensively, Montana state was doing well prior to this game. So it's a true test. We'll see how it works, but the eye test call me biased. This, this team looks better than 2018 for sure.
1: Better than 2018. We'll see how this all plays out guys right now. Kyler is saying the red inferno is the place where the best team resides, but we will see over the next five, six weeks who sets themselves up for the playoffs to take that red carpet trip down to frisco texas thanks for listening to the fcs fans nation podcast everybody catch you next week enjoy the games boom thank you for listening to the fcs fans nation podcast make sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your preferred listening platform whether it's apple spotify google or even youtube and make sure to follow our fcs fans nation social media pages on facebook twitter and instagram Thank you for listening to the premier podcast for FCS football. Both I said on Twitter, I'm like, <laughs> I'm the smartest man alive. And I've said on the pod a few times where I've been like, Well, you know, I picked SIU because I'm pretty good like that.
0: Exactly.